On today's Stuncast, we review Who Mourns for Adonis. The Enterprise is surveying the planet Pollux 4, while Scotty flirts with the comely Lieutenant Caroline Palmas on the bridge, a giant green hen grabs the Enterprise. It turns out the hen belongs to Apollo, an entity who was taken for a god during ancient Greece times. Happy to encounter humans again, he orders the Enterprise crew to settle on the planet and worship him as a god. Will Kirk bow down to a taller man? Will the Enterprise crew need to learn how to shepherd sheep? Will Lieutenant Palmas hook up with the Greek god? Find out on set podcast to stun! Hello, feeble-minded humans, and welcome to Set Podcast to Stun, the podcast where we explore, explain, and enjoy the Star Trek franchise. I'm Clint the Q, joined by Chancellor Emily Gowron. Kapla, mortals! And as always, we have Commodore Corey joining us. Hello! Clint, I bet you loved this episode. It was like looking into a mirror darkly here for me. i um today we're reviewing the episode who mourns for clint oh i mean who mourns for adonis wait okay i wasn't losing my mind adonis was in there somehow even though this was apollo yeah it's this it's the the title is taken from like a play or something so the title comes from a shelley poem in honor of keats about the death of keats and adonis is hebrew for the spoken word of god so the title of this episode is basically who mourns for the gods Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. do you guys have anything silly to say or any shenanigans before we get into it um i only will say that i got a uh object in the mail that was a present and it caused me to go drunk with power uh, much like Apollo in this episode. And I said that you two could try and guess what that object was. I'm thinking either sea monkeys or a gun. Was it liquor? <laughs> Are those your final answers? Yes. I think okay. so. It was a Halloween uh, plastic devil's trident, which I oh. had once at a Christmas party for some reason, and I kept poking people in the butt with it until somebody took it away from me. But now, one of my friends sent it to me, so no butt is safe. It's times like these that I'm glad Emily and I live on different coasts of the of the United States. I was about to say, I'm glad there's a good 3,000 miles between us. Yeah, my partner walked in, saw it, and just said, it's going right in the dumpster. He's just like, I'm out. <laughs> Like, send me my stuff in the mail. I absolutely know that this is nothing but mischief, and I want no part of it. What I want to know is how much, how much it costs to ship a three dollar plastic trident. A lot, probably more than the trident's worth. This trident is priceless because it's returning me to my true power—the power that I had five thousand years ago when I was worshipped as I should have been. When they gave me laurels and I could have sex with anyone I wanted just by looking at them and giving them a weird backless dress that was taped to their boobies. Oh, I remember in college, it's actually glued to her boobies, but um, in college, I remember all the guys you were dating were just wearing weird uh, backless dresses. And they were bright pink and glittery as well. (laughs) Oh, I mourn those times. Luckily, my green hand has reached out on a new solution. All right. So today's episode that we're reviewing is Who Mourns for Adonis. So spoiler uh, alerts for that if you don't want to be spelled on it. Uh, It first aired September 22nd of 1967. It was written by Gilbert Ralston and directed by Mark Daniels. So yeah, what an interesting episode. I love it. Uh, Corey, oh really? You liked it? <laughs> I 
I wouldn't think you liked it. We'll talk more about that later, but uh, let's go into it. Corey, why don't you kick us off and, and take us through the plot? Okay, don't interrupt me. All right. The episode <laughs> starts with the Enterprise surveying planets in the Pollux system. I don't know why I thought they're they there. said bollocks at first. I thought it was the bollocks system. <laughs> I thought it was Pollux system at the start. It is. You are. Oh, what? I, well, there's an oh, X racist. on the end. It's not a derogatory term for a Polish person. I think it's pole locks. Yeah. This happens with the one of the female starring characters in this episode too. I didn't really understand what her name was, but we'll get to that right now. So the episode starts with them surveying these planets, and um, right at the start of the episode, this lieutenant, her name is Lieutenant Palamas. Palamas. I wrote Palamas in my notes. Carolyn is her first name. Carolyn. Yeah. I feel like it's a little informal if I call her Carolyn. Yeah, that's you know, true. Lieutenant. I call everyone else by their last name. But yeah. you do outrank her, Commodore. Well, it's two entirely different systems of, of governance, but I guess I do. Um, but what's what's critical about the start of this episode is there is a there's like there's like a B and a C plot in this episode, sort of. But Scotty scores a date with her because she hands in something to Kirk for the survey mission on one of the planets. And then Scotty asks her for a coffee and she says, yes. I thought it was just, I mean, I know he's like, he's really like thirsty Spock or not. Uh, we, we got a really thirsty Scotty in this episode. Very thirsty. But was it a date? I, I mean, I guess it was just coffee. But To him, it was, it was a date, but probably not yeah. to her. Yeah. Yeah. But also she hands a report to Kirk and it's like, a child's plastic toy cash register like it's this weird plastic thing i don't know and he just looks at it yeah he looks at it and he's like give it to spock it's it's basically just like a light bulb that he's looking at there's no information on it he's like studying intently but when this when this date happens, Bones and Kirk kind of look at each other and Bones is concerned. And then Kirk is concerned because he says, oh, once she finds a man, she's going to leave the service. That's why I'm concerned about all this. I'm losing an <laughs> officer. Yeah, it was real like, Jesus Christ, you guys. What if she just keeps working and the earth doesn't rotate back on its axis? That's not that doesn't women can't handle that. Their tiny brains can't do hold two things at once why well, once they get married they their brains fall out it's science jim <laughs> she's she's working at all her capacity just to hand and do that report you can see the smoke pouring from her ears if she gets married and then has to do reports she'll just implode yeah no shit that's difficult there aren't any letters on that she had to like carve it out of plastic and like put i don't know braille in it or something super weird Yes, we got that. So, yes, a very typical sexist. It's good to know the military hasn't changed at all. Yeah, super weird. Uh, so they're looking at Polox 4 when suddenly a giant green hand reaches out from the planet's atmosphere. And they're like, what is that? Spock says it's not living tissue. He says it's a field of energy. The hand grows bigger and bigger and the crew freaks out. And then it grabs the ship and then they're trapped. And then that's I like credits. how... I like, yeah, they all die. I like how Uhura is like, it's reaching out as if to grab us. And I I just felt bad for Uhura because she knows what grabby hands look like. What? I feel like, oh, yeah. From she experience, does. she knows what a hand looks like when it's about to grab you. And she's like, all right, boys, buckle up for my nine to five with you fucks. <laughs> grab them by the Enterprise. Grab them by the Enterprise. I did like that it was a giant green hand and this spooky music right before Halloween. Yeah. <laughs> Very it is a good hollow pre Halloween episode. Mm-hmm. I thought it was just gonna like wave at them and do like the little like wing the, the, the finger wiggly. It's like, ooh, hello Enterprise. Hello, <laughs> Captain Kirk, welcome to my planet. I thought it was gonna be like a beckoning hand and that would like draw them into the planet. Mmm, mysterious. Mm. The hand looks pretty good. Like you can see it's the remastered version because I looked at on Google what the old one looked like and it looked very 60s. But you know, what? I kind of prefer that too. It, it's it, it has a cool effect, but it does look like the hand of someone who is not a god. It has it's all like wrinkled and hairy and it looks He's like it belongs god. to someone. 
Yeah. That is a good question. I wonder who that hand It could be to. Gene Roddenberry's hand, for all we know. It, it should be. That would be a great little teaser, little tidbit of trivia. Okay, so as they're trying to find out what this hand is doing, because the hand is like holding the ship, um, and they're trying to figure out what's going on, when suddenly... On the viewfinder, a face appears, and it's like a Roman-looking guy. He has the laurels in his hair, and he has a Caesar haircut, and he's wearing like a toga. Well, you don't see that yet because he's um, he's a, he's a head. He's but a that's face just face. how perfect the head is cast that we just picture. There's a toga yes, underneath. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but little do we know just how great that toga is that we're about to see. It's pretty. Oh, weird. look at that head! I just know it's. It's bodies wearing a toga. I could just tell. Buckle up for fashion week, friends. <laughs> the face is like, you have come home, my children. You may rest. There shall be the music of pipes. The long wait has ended. And then Kirk's like, you better let us go or we'll attack you. And then the head is like, oh, you have fire like your ancestors. Agamemnon, Odysseus. And in my notes, I turns out I did not spell Agamemnon right. It's I spelled it Agamemnon, so I didn't know how to spell that. Um, but Kirk is like, never mind the history lesson. Let us go. Kirk's attitude is like the same attitude that we get when there's a little extra traffic on your way home. You're just like, oh my god. You say things you would never normally say. He's encountered this like otherworldly being, and his only reaction is like annoyance at the inconvenience. Hey, hands off my ship! That's my ship. You don't touch her. That's my precious baby. <laughs> um. So the sh- the sh- the hand starts to pinch the ship and starts crushing the hull. Captain, we can't let it happen anymore. The ship will be crushed to death. And then Kirk's like, "Okay, we'll do whatever you want us to do." Um. So it lets go of the ship and. This person invites an away team down for dinner. And here's the most important part I want to make. There is never a dinner, you guys. Did <gasps> you guys right. notice that? I There's never a dinner. Not until you pointed it out. How dare they? That's rude. The rude Apollo. Come on. How can we worship you if you're not going to, you know, pony up some free, free grub? Also, I just have to say, at one point, Apollo says something that I would very much like to say next time I'm about to get rip-roaring drunk. And he said, we shall remember together. We shall drink the sacramental wine. We shall hear the music of the pipes. (laughs) Which is a really cool thing to say. But then when a fife starts playing after that, it becomes like a really uncool thing. Mm -hmm. Because that's not a very dramatic instrument. Um, this man, you guys have totally spoiled the, the dramatic tension here of who this person is by saying that it's Apollo, but whatever. This man says that they're all invited down. Man, but not... I am a god. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then they blow up his temple and they all get away at the end. Um, he says everyone's invited down, but not Spock. Spock can't go. Because he's racist, like the humans. He should really hit it off with with Bones and Kirk for that comment. You'd think. He says that Spock reminds him of Pan, and that annoys him. Which isn't Pan like a mischievous, like sprite spirit sort of thing? Yeah, he's like I a feel like he's the opposite little devil. Yeah, I think that he'd want Pan there to keep an eye on him. That's true because Pan Spock is the one that saves the day. Um, yeah. So they beam down to this Greek, this Greek temple setting. There's like columns and statues. And when they get down there, this man, who is Apollo, is sitting on a throne with a gold toga, just like my imagination told me he would have. Uh, and he, gold, he also has light purple hair. Gold, sparkly. He's got one peck hanging out. It's a very short toga. It's like um, 70s man athletic shorts short and he's got lace up gold sandals come on don't don't short change it it is a vision oh yeah that toga doesn't leave much to the imagination he <sighs> apollo looks good like he has some big pecs he's, he's in good shape he's got an even tan 
he grows bigger in the episode, so it's really so did I. Well, really God, made... edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. Leave that in, Clint. That's not my character. I don't do those things. <laughs> but you know, it's it's uh, designed to give you a good view when he grows taller than everyone else. That is exactly the note I had. Is that he grows giant and they can look right up his skirt. Can really appreciate his power. Uh-huh. Kirk tries to get in the dick swing contest and he finally loses. <laughs> that is actually true. It was happening on set, but we'll get to that towards the end here. There's some interesting yeah. stuff that was going on, it looks like. Ooh, la, la. So they all get to chatting um, and Apollo, as he announces himself, he says that Zeus, Aphrodite, Athena, all these gods were travelers who were from this planet and then they visited Earth um, and then he's like, you guys can never leave this planet again. You you can't communicate with your ship again. Your job is to stay here and to worship me. And in exchange, I will give you a life of paradise. And yeah, when Kirk refuses, Apollo gets really, really tall and they get all freaked out. I did say I enjoyed this episode, but my one big but is like... They never explain why Apollo wants them to worship him or like, was he Apollo before they went to the earth planet? Like there's a, is he delusional? There's like no, a really weird. There is disconnect. one, there's one throwaway line where they do describe that. They do say why um, Apollo needs them to worship him. It gives him oh, mana. I totally missed it. It gives him mana. Yeah. It's like, um, it like feeds him. It's a very Neil Gaiman view of, of, of godhood. Gods. Yeah, where the gods need people to love them and worship them to sustain themselves. So that's why all the other gods are dead is because humans kind of turned their back on them. They came back to this planet and they kind of found it wanting and barren and with no worshipers. So then they just kind of started like starving death almost just one by one, just going out there. But Apollo always knew that humans would reach this planet at some point and that he'd be reunited. So he kind of held out hope more than anyone else. I think that's what sustained him through this whole time and, and why he didn't die yet was because he knew humans would come by them again. Oh, I totally miss that. And that's one thing about this episode too, is I did kind of like that there wasn't like a pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. Like, he is a god. Like he does have godlike mm-hmm. powers. There that that is established and they have to work with that. There's not like a cuz I thought that the that this episode was going to be like that Futurama episode where Leela um hangs out with that centaur and like she's going to like be like a princess on the planet and then it turns out he's just like a fraud and a shyster. But yeah. Uh no, he's he's really a god basically. Mm-hmm. I am glad they didn't do that because we've had that with Landru and uh yeah. The, the one with the cue that's not a cue and we've had that a couple times where they kind of like do a technological duex machina but Trelane, which you who you're referring to he was very powerful he was just a child compared to yeah but uh, he, they broke his creatures. mirror and he had like a machine behind it and it was like part oh yeah of his power mm-hmm. yeah. I, I will I agree this weird. this episode is an episode that we have seen before though uh, with the Trelane one, and then also with the one with the 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 plant that blew up in people's faces and made them all like happy plants? and serene. Yeah, I'm trying to bring back my G-rated character here, but <laughs> um, 1950s boy. Oh gosh, golly! But like in that episode, there was like a promise of just serenity and like a perfect life, and they have to fight against that because what's most important is like maintaining your individuality, and that's what Apollo is offering here. Basically, worship me, and you can have everything you want. Um, and then like Kirk obviously doesn't want to do this because he's a he's a full blooded American. So it is a very yeah. similar episode in that respect. Who who only believes in one God? Yeah, I got that. Kirk's a Christian, <laughs> but Scotty's an atheist. Yeah, that's true. I, um, Scotty doesn't believe in gods. What did they call him? His, uh, oh, they called him something really funny. You stiff-necked thistlehead. Oh, yeah. Uh, when he almost gets himself killed. Yeah. 
I will agree with you that it's a really similar episode, but I'm going to hold why I still liked it a lot uh, for later. You can get back to the Yeah. I mean, it's similar but different. Yeah, let's go. Apollo takes a liking to Lieutenant Palamas and offers to make her a god. Remember at the start of the episode, Scotty wanted to go on a date with her. Um, when Apollo does this, Scotty gets super jealous and tries Ooh, to shoot triangle. Apollo with his phaser. But Apollo instantly destroys the phaser and then destroys everybody else's and makes them inoperable. He makes uh, Lieutenant Palamas appear in this beautiful, elegant dress with makeup and her hair done. Scotty gets really jealous again and attacks Palamas again. And Apollo whoa, 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 knocks whoa, whoa, whoa. him out. And then uh, Apollo and Palamas disappear. We're going to pause and we're going to discuss uh, Palamas's uh, toga because this thing is bananas. First of all, like Artemis, your bow arm should be bare. Yeah. Uh, so it's like, I want you to look more like my sister. Yeah, <laughs> my twin sister. And it's bright pink. The top is like seriously just glued to her boobs. It's not, it has no back or anything that could hold it on. And then it's like a long floor length skirt that also somehow attaches to the arms. And then she has coordinating string in her hair. It's a look. It reminds me of the dress from the disintegration booth episode. The one like that dress that that one chick wore. I don't you know remember what I'm talking that. about. No. Yeah. Well, once you see it, you'll be like Clint's right all along. Of course. <laughs> it reminds me of, uh, like Barbie when I when I was a kid like when I was a kid she only had like bright pink ball gowns and glitter everything it's like yeah. a mix between that and the overall side boob they said they glued it to their skin and so it like ripped off some skin when she had to take it off oh at the end. zero surprise Jesus. yeah yeah I guess they didn't have like better like they didn't have like costumes like glue or something i don't know they did Maybe not in the 60s okay <laughs> they, they just, just didn't care they just didn't have workplace protections <laughs> yeah it, it didn't say greek to me it it definitely said like 1950s homemaker going out to the theater to me yeah it was it was a thing okay so uh palamas and apollo disappear and um, Kirk and Bones start talking about this and they're like, you know what? Obviously he has powers. This is his story might be plausible. Uh, his people might have come from this planet and adopted the early Greeks and like taught them philosophy and, and all of that. And people who can do this would appear to gods to the ancient. Greeks, yeah, so. yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so Kirk doesn't think it, it's a God really. I mean, that's like what humans would call it. It's just a really powerful alien. Mm -hmm. I'm, this is a trope that happens a lot in different media and stuff. And so jumping to TNG, this this kind of happens also in a TNG episode where someone thinks that they're gods. So I'm going to call this the Picard effect to, to coin a phrase here. So, so this is the Picard effect when a primitive amount of people or a primitive people think that a technology, a technologically advanced person is a god. So anyway. Oh, like cargo cult science. Yeah. Or the gods must be crazy. Okay. So this this episode has a B plot. The C plot is Scotty liking this lady. Because that doesn't really... There's not much there. But there's scenes that have to do with it. That the, and they don't have to do with the main plot. Um, the B plot is that Spock is trying to get to the away party. Because now he's in charge of the ship. Um, up on... Up on the Enterprise, Spock and Sulu find out that there is an energy signature, and they're trying to find out where it's coming from. The away team also recognizes that there's an, a weird energy signature, but I'm just going to go ahead and say this part now. The away team could have done nothing this entire episode, and it would have all been resolved, because they literally do nothing. They do nothing at all, except jump I mean, out of the make, way. And they make Apollo mad. I think that, that helps, making him mad. They, like, distract yeah, him. Yeah, they the distract time. him, and they drain his energy. Right, but they would have still, Spock would have still found, because, like, Sulu spent the whole episode doing a survey of the entire planet to find out where the energy was coming from, and he finds out it's coming from the temple, and then they blow it up at the end. So that would have happened yeah. regardless. Like, Kirk doesn't do any, he tries to do stuff, as we'll talk about, but it doesn't really matter. Spock was doing great. That bridge was humming along. It was a very efficient bridge. Yeah, like, a diverse bridge where everybody mm -hmm. got along. 
people who were working very hard. They were getting results. So I think Spock is a really great captain when his crew isn't being a bunch of little bitches crying about corpses and stuff. I think one of the things that I liked about this is this was, I would argue, our first like solid ensemble episode like Mm -hmm. every we get to see all our faves and they all have a great at least one great scene ohura gives spock some sass and he like is like you're right you're awesome and uh chekhov and scotty are both you know yucking it up down on the planet we have sulu bones gets to be bones Bones is very underutilized this episode, but you're right. Everybody, I think this is the first episode where everybody is there from like the the star cast. That's a good point, Emily. Also, Chekhov is earning his pay for the week and he's definitely pulling that wig off. It's oh definitely God. working for him. It doesn't make him look like an idiot. It definitely does not look like it is super plastic at all. Can we just can we just double down on this point? It does not look stupid. The wig, no, not at all. I'm super. <laughs> the wig looks by great. It. Yeah. Also, up on the Enterprise, just a small note. There's a British officer, Mr. Kyle. He has like a posh English accent. There's nothing crazy or interesting there. It's just it's there. <laughs> I just wanted you to know that it happened. Even British people are represented in Star Trek. That that's really the last barrier they had to break down. That's my biggest problem with media is the lack of representation for the British. Exactly. Okay, so cut to Paloma's, Paloma's and Apollo. Paloma's, God, her her last name, I don't understand it. Paloma's (laughs) asks, what happens to the other gods? And then, we already said this earlier, but like they basically ran out of worship juice and then just dissolved. Um, They need... I think they're still around, they're just not around around well they just like disappeared into the planet like he said Hera like went into the wind um because they need worship love and admiration to keep up their strength and then in in that in my notes here I wrote like a certain ex-president and I don't usually get political here (laughs) appreciate that comment okay so there's a lot of jumping back and forth and I don't want to do all of it but it goes back to the away team and um they say that, okay, I only mention this because it's weird. They find out that there's a weird signature, like Chekhov finds a weird signature. Scotty's not doing anything because his head's too full of um, testosterone this episode. But then Bones says that there's an extra organ in his chest, like it's going to be like a big thing, and that never comes up later. Yeah, I know, that's weird. I think it's to explain how he can like channel energy and like do his stuff, because oh, okay. he has that extra organ. I have no theory, but that makes sense. He he needs the organ and also the temple. For, I don't know what the temple does, or I don't know, but yeah, it's weird. Okay, well, oh, go ahead, Emily. Oh, I was just going to say, I didn't get the impression that he needed the temple. He just, I thought that whole dramatic scene was that he's like telling them to stop and they're not stopping and he doesn't get his way. And that's when he's like, oh, I'm not an all power for God. Like, I didn't think it was actually like, channeling power to him in some way yeah no the temple was the source of the weird energy if i believe it was kind of confusing i didn't get it all the way either Corey, is that is that what you picked up no that's where his energy his power was coming from and then they destroyed it but i have a fan theory i'm gonna get to at the end about that cool oh man you destroyed my sick ass temple and my leer fine whatever you guys aren't fun anyway i'm just gonna go home Bye. So Apollo comes back without Palamas. Um, and what ensues is the best scene in the entire episode where Scotty sees that she's gone and Apollo's just there. Uh, and he he picks up a statue off of a table and rushes at Apollo. Now, mind, he's been zapped already by Apollo's lightning. But as he's running at Apollo, he screams, You bloodthirsty Saracen, what have you done with her? And then... Um, Apollo just zaps him again and he just flies across the courtyard and he goes into shock and then he starts for no real reason just start choking out Kirk until Kirk almost dies too. He's basically trying to soften them up so that they fear and worship him. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a pretty good stunt with Scotty. They had a stunt double do that, but he flew pretty far. I mean, it was very simple, but it, I really, I really was like, ouch. Really yeah, it was it. well done. I also loved uh, Shatner's acting in this. It was, um, it was good. I liked it. Yeah. Uh, Apollo starts to give a speech after he's like pacified everybody, but he looks really tired all of a sudden. And then Chekhov notices all this. He looks really tired and then he just disappears. So their new plan, they like they get together and they talk and they're like, I said, I said about that part that Chekhov has an, if it bleeds, we can kill it moment. If it bleeds, we can kill it. Yeah, Kirk's like, according to ancient legends, gods required rest after expending energy. And I don't really know. I mean, I know the Bible says that. I haven't heard of that in like Greek or Roman lore. Oh, they did Greek mythology so dirty. Like I had a bunch of notes that I'm like, this isn't even entertaining. It's just me going, well, actually, but well, actually, they got it. all. So anyway, their their new plan is to just wear him out, provoke him, drain him and then jump him like parenting toddlers. But uh, Caroline wants to jump his bones, if you know what I mean. And yeah. I'm not talking about the physician. <laughs> what? They they definitely do it. Uh, we'll 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 talk about that later because I do. There is some other information. Corey might have this as well about them doing it. But uh, go on, Corey. Oh, some hot gas. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, yeah. There's like a scene. They just cut back and forth between Apollo and Palomas. Um. Anyway, Apollo comes back. He gets all pissed. He demands that they worship him. And they have a plan where they're just going to, like, ignore him and then all at once turn and mock him at the same time. (laughs) So he's, like, screaming at them. And they do that. And on cue, they turn and they just start, like, fake laughing at him and pointing at him. It's it's more than a little cheesy. It's it's kind of a cringy scene. (laughs) I kind of liked it. I, I don't know. I liked how, like well coordinated it was he did this weird hand movement and then they all turned around and started yelling at him i don't know why i just like that scene i liked it too i thought it was fun it was campy but it was enjoyable i did think the weird thing was that they don't let uh pen thomas or whatever in on it palamas. So she's, palamas so she's like stop it you guys stop it he's gonna fucking murder you what are you doing and then she like intercedes and they're like, yeah. God damn it, you're ruining our plan. Dames. Yeah, because Kirk's plan is to get fully zapped by the god power and probably die. But that will drain Apollo just enough for everybody else to jump him and like shank him or something. But then she gets in the way and calms him down. Yeah, they have this scene where they're like, well, someone's going to die, but it'll be worth it. <laughs> they're all like, are you sure, Kirk? And he's like, yeah, yeah, it'll be worth it. <laughs> Um, but then after Apollo and Poamas leave again, uh, Kirk's like, don't worry, I have one more plan. And then it cuts to Palamas and Apollo. And I did not see, because I was like writing and I didn't, uh, I didn't see what was going on. And because we're not watching TOS on Netflix anymore, the service that we are currently utilizing is not, mm, let's just say user friendly. Uh, did they kiss in that scene? Yeah. They did kiss. Okay. Okay. They kissed, and then he talked about making her pregnant. She's, he's like, I'm going to make you so pregnant. Yeah, it's weird. But also, he's like, I'm going to make you a goddess. This is going to be great. And I'm like, well, this is a promotion. <laughs> From lieutenant to goddess. Yeah. <laughs> well, he says, though, she'll be like a goddess. She won't be an actual goddess, but she'll be pretty close. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. As much as I hate the Danes... And he's going to do her forever. Yeah, it's pretty gross. <laughs> as much as I hate the, like, Dames love tyrants theme, uh, it wasn't as, like, violent. This guy is, like, a less gross con in some senses. Well, he's more of a Chad, and he, like, doesn't really know what he's doing. Like, his intentions are more pure, but he's just as much of a jackass where Khan is just this purely manipulative, abusive person versus this guy is just kind of like a dumb puppy. Yeah. If that's how I would compare that. Well, yeah. also he, he needs He's to like, do Why this. Don't you like me? He needs to do this to survive. Like his whole race has disappeared that he, this is like something he needs. He needs this worship as nutrition. So 
He's just trying to survive. I'm not trying to justify what he's doing, he's but at least he has like a good farm. motive. He's trying to farm his food. God, you bitch. <laughs> no, that is a good point, Corey, that he, he's a lot more sympathetic too, where he's just trying to survive. And he's so he likes humans too. I mean, I guess maybe it's the way that we like dogs as, as he likes them as pets. Mm, I don't know. Cause we don't eat dogs. I think it's more like carrots. No, it's more like, um, like if dogs living in our house and us being nice to dogs, like every time they wag their tail, we got like a little piece of bread. And that was the only way we could get our food was for the dogs to wag their tails at us. I see what you're saying, Emily, but I, I'm going to do a better one where we get milk from dogs and that's where yeah. we get a lot of our nutrition is dog milk. <laughs> Yeah, see? So <laughs> I just look you guys are just so brilliant and insightful insightful. You come up with great metaphors. <laughs> well, we don't eat the dogs, so he doesn't want to eat the people. He just wants to eat the their worship of him. He wants their milk, Clint. We've explained yeah, this to you. Their so psychic many times. milk. The milk of human kindness. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so Palamas comes back to the away team after the kiss and she's like clearly different and converted. She's like, y'all, it's going to be great. Yeah, she's like, come, like, Apollo says you're going to be happy and healthy. Like, come on back and we'll all be one big happy family. She is, she's definitely um, drank the Kool-Aid. But there's a funny scene when she gets there. Chekhov's she like, inhaled oh. the jizz plants, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> a nice 21st century rebranding of that tired cliche phrase. I like when Kirk, I like when Kirk tells her to... Uh, come down from Mount Olympus. I thought that was a good, a good line. Well, and she does. Unlike the con episode, Kirk has this like long chat with her. That's like, hey, here's why we need you. Here's why you gotta, you know, consider your loyalty to us. Like, and she seems genuinely like into him. But she's like, you're right, I'm a Starfleet officer. Like, this is why I say I like this episode so much more than the other ones that are similar to it, is that it's an ensemble cast, but, like, the whole cast changes and, like, goes through different attitudes and, like, changes their minds and grows. And the stakes are not made artificial. Like, they're not like, oh, the ship is going to blow up in 24 hours. It's just like, what are these characters going to do? And in some sense... It's mostly like an internal debate. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And after Kirk talks Palamas into coming back to the human side, um, she goes and talks to Apollo and, and um, she's like feigning interest in him. So it worked. And I do want to point oh, out at this point. I love that scene. Yeah. She, she definitely knows how to break a God's heart. She, her job on this ship is she is the ship specialist in ancient civilizations and myths. So mm. there could not be a better away mission for her to be on. Oh, Bones called her the ANA, Anthropology, Archaeology, and Ancient Civilizations. Wouldn't that be ANA? -A -A? Yeah. I don't know. He just said ANA. -A. Like Yeah, that's what I <laughs> I don't know. ANA. -A -A. Do you do you think her quarters are filled with pictures of Greek gods that she's painted? Paintings and other myths. Maybe she's chiseling them out of marble. Oh, oh, even better. Yeah, yeah. That makes more sense. Well, anyway, I have to say she. So she's always like, "Oh, I was only pretending to like you. It was really because I'm studying you like a scientist. It's like some very skillful mean girl type stuff." It's what every woman has ever said to me too. So, you know, felt like. so yeah, he she spurns Apollo. He gets super pissed off, and he summons a big lightning storm. Right before that, Spock and Uhura finally break through the communication jam, and they get in contact with the away team, and they tell Kirk that they're going to destroy the temple because that's where the energy is coming from. So Kirk's like, "Okay, wait, don't destroy it yet because uh, Lieutenant Balama's." could be killed and i didn't understand that because she was nowhere near the temple they were at the temple all these scenes with balamas and apollo were like at a river somewhere else so i didn't I understand know, why. but i also get irritated by this thing in star trek that they think women cannot walk in a storm 
Like I just, <laughs> I just watched a Voyager episode where the exact same thing happens to Janeway. Like it's storming and she just keeps falling down. And I'm like, what is this? I feel like there's a TNG with Crusher and the same thing. Like it's windy out and she's like, oh no. <laughs> it's it's because women are like birds and they have a thing in their uh, brain that um, always tells them where north is. It tells them where to go. And when it gets all windy, it it turns that around and it just, they can't do anything. It blocks all motor function. That's yeah. why in ladies school, they all teach us to get down on all fours and eat grass until someone comes to help us. <laughs> Duh. Didn't that happen in Mud's Women too, where there was a storm and the yes! lady gets oh, lost? Oh, yeah. Yes. See what I'm talking about? <laughs> Women can't walk in storms. You're crazy. There is also, it looks like she's laying in front of a wind machine, and you can tell there's definitely a part where she's, like, holding her skirt down so it doesn't, like, blow up over her head. <laughs> it's like this poor woman. Uh, okay, so the storm keeps growing. Apollo's getting more and more mad. Kirk orders Spock to fire on the temple. They do. Apollo starts freaking out. He arrives at the temple, and he starts firing lightning bolts at the Enterprise, and he's screaming for them to stop. It's a pretty dramatic scene. It's also, like, 30 seconds long, so it keeps ramping up and up, and then finally, boom, the temple's destroyed. Actually, it's, it doesn't, like, explode. It just kind of dissolves. And Apollo loses all of his power and he mourns the loss of his godhood and he starts crying and then he allows himself to be dissolved and it's a very sad scene. Everyone's crying. I like her little like walk of shame during that scene where she comes (laughs) out of the bushes and she's just completely haggard and she's like, man, I've had a fucking night. Yeah, (laughs) she it 100 percent looks like when you've been out drinking all night, like your mascara is kind of like running under her eyes. Her hair's like all messed up. You can definitely tell she only has one high heel on anymore. <laughs> I mean, she fell on the ground when the storm started. So, like, it's not like she was near the explosion or anything. All that came from the wind, I guess, because Apollo wasn't messing with her. He was at the temple. She did a Herculean feat by walking in a storm for a woman that's very, very taxing. That's true. So that's... She's really taxing. It should have been impossible for her to get there, but she walked through that storm like a champ. Like a man, you might say. Yeah. (laughs) It's the penis that breaks the wind. That's what allows men to walk through wind. (laughs) That's true. The wind just goes straight up our vaginas. That's why we can't walk in it. Yeah, and then it, it disturbs the boobies, and they're all off ballast, so that's why, too. That's right. That's correct, Clint. It's just science. At the end of the episode, Bones is like, I wish we didn't have to do that, as they're sitting on the rubble of the temple. And then Kirk is like, same. These gods gave us so much. They started Western civilization. And then the last line is, would it have hurt if we'd gathered just a few laurel leaves? Which sounds really insightful, but I don't know what the fuck that means. Is he saying, like, shouldn't we have, like, done a little bit of worshipping? Would that have hurt things so much? Well, there was that, there was in the episode, he was like, go find a deer and slaughter it and gather laurel leaves and do all this stuff to worship me. Make your sacrifices. Yeah, they were, like, laughing at him. So that that was the, I think that's why he was like, oh, it wouldn't hurt just to do a few laurel leaves? No, I get that. And and so Mm -hmm. the the last line of the episode is saying, like, Shouldn't we have maybe loved him a little bit and lived here for like maybe a month? I actually, I actually love that because I thought that Bones was like, wow, it's too bad we destroyed the temple. Like this was a cool building. And then Kirk's like, you're right. And you know what? Now that we think about it, like these guys gave us so much. Like, why did I have to come in here all annoyed and shitty? Why couldn't I have just been like, yo, thanks, dude, for all these things. But we got to move on now. Well, I don't think Apollo gave them much of a choice. I think if Apollo was cooler, the humans would have been cooler. But he was just like, no, you come and worship me and dismantle your ship. I think if he was a little bit more chill about everything, they could have come to some accord. I'm sure some humans would have loved to go to this planet and live with a god and and that sort of thing. Um, But he was just being like kind of a jerk about it the whole time. And we're like, well, we don't want to do this. And we have free will. You can't make us. And then he got all pissed about it and started swinging his, his God dick around. And then Kirk couldn't. So 
He just can't get in a, in a dick swinging contest. Come on. It's Captain Kirk. So he had to measure up. And once again, Kirk is a uh, 2-0 versus the gods. So Clint, Maybe even more. In this scenario, are you reflecting on your ability to, you know, not be chill and uh, control Corey and I and, and maybe, you know, be a little chiller with us? Give us give us meals twice a day, maybe, you know, beatings just three times. I don't know if this episode sets a good example for you two. Uh, I just, I mean, I don't think you guys should be getting the message that you should be rebelling against a kind, benevolent, super hot God leader who just wants the best for you, Emily. I'm um, of the body. Are you of the body? <laughs> I love Big Landry. <laughs> I was thinking, if this was a TNG episode, what would Picard do in this situation? I don't know. Like, yes, Apollo came on super duper strong. If he had approached it a little bit differently, I mean, he was starving to death, so I guess he was desperate. But if he had come like approached it differently, how would it have gone? And especially if Picard was there, because I I think in a TNG episode, the way it would have been structured is. They would not have blown up the temple and killed Apollo. They would have been like, this is a different like life form. There has to be a way to to like interface and interact with it. But like we get what we want and it gets what it wants. I think there would have been a diplomat diplomatic solution in TNG. Like we will ask our people if anyone wants to come here. And if anyone does, you I mean, I'm sure there's people on Earth that want to get away from it all and just live in paradise. We will let you know what's your what's your linkedin we'll send people down here <laughs> i don't i don't know sometimes i feel like we give picard a little bit too much credit i think everything would have been exactly the same except for that line where kirk says we have no need for gods just we find just the one quite adequate and so he would have just said man has no need for gods and then he wouldn't have said that other half a line and then everything else would have been the same I think I'm with you both a little bit on this. I think Picard would certainly try diplomacy first, but then he does also have this like, oh, you know, uh, fuck around and find out attitude when it comes to threatening the ship. Right. So. But but at at the point where Spock could blow up the temple, like they had they had all the cards in their hand, right? Like they were able to negotiate and they could have negotiated out of killing it because at that point it was either we kill you or or you need to negotiate with us. So I don't know. I don't, I don't want to paint Picard as like someone who um, diplomatically solves his way out of everything because he certainly does like use combat when he needs to. I don't think the I don't think Apollo would respond that well though to losing his leverage and being leveraged. So I think he would have just had just would have freaked out and not really come to any peaceful terms. Yeah, I also don't think they were trying to kill him, but they were trying to, like, disarm him enough to let them go. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it also makes me think, like, what if an, a, like a TNG episode would have been... Remember that episode of TNG where Data loses his mind? I'm sorry, not his mind. He loses his memory, and he's, like, on that primitive planet, and he has to, like, cure that disease that he brought? Oh, uh-huh. It would have been an interesting kind of episode if he's, like, worshipped and... Uh, like he lives there for more than a couple of weeks and the people there like start to see him as a god because of his great strength and intelligence and he like rebuilds society and then by the time that like the enterprise finds them like maybe a year later he is like a venerated emperor of this planet <laughs> like what do you do at that point like when c-3po goes among the ewoks mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah yeah there really should have been an episode like that with data it was right there I can talk. I want to talk about some stuff outside of the episode if you guys don't have anything else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Tell us the hot goss. Okay, so let, let's talk about the guy who plays Apollo. His name is Michael Forrest. Mm -hmm. um, he's actually still an actor. He's he's still working today. Oh, I didn't know that. That's a cool name. Yeah, if you look at his IMDb page, he's done a lot of stuff in video game voiceovers and a lot of stuff in anime, which is pretty cool. Mm -hmm. I could see that. He, you might know him in one role that he played. Uh, which is the bloated dead pilot in Castaway that Tom Hanks ah. finds. Yeah, oh. that's him. <laughs> um, we've talked about this a little earlier, but like when he tried out for the role, he has a great body, but they needed someone who uh, 
who had the pecs and the abs of a Greek god. So they were like, they need to look good and they need to have a British accent. So a when British Michael Forrest, yep, when Michael Forrest went to audition, he took his shirt off and they're like, wow, great body. Now give us the accent. And he's like, I'm not going to do an accent. And they're like, huddle, huddle, huddle. All right, you got the part. <laughs> I guess that was actually was so the first test because that's exactly <laughs> what a god would say. They were looking for a British actor. I think they found this guy because they like hit up, I think the LA Shakespeare company or something like that. Um, oh no, it was San Diego. That was it. Um, and they were kind of like looking for people locally in California who did Shakespeare and then they found him. Mm. He will be in Star Trek again in 2013 in a fan made film. So oh, really? yeah, the last of Michael Forrest. Yeah. Cool. Apparently. Uh, Clint, do you want to talk about the tension between Forrest and Shatner? I don't want to blow it up too much. It wasn't like that big of a deal, but it is kind of interesting. Well, yeah, it was just that um, Shat, like Forrest was was taller than Shatner, so <laughs> Shatner refused to film any scenes where they were together. Stop. Or you could tell that that yeah that he that Forrest was taller than Shatner, so they play opposite each other, and so a lot of the times they weren't delivering dialogue to each other, um, and then I think. Uh, one bit of trivia I read was that whenever, um, like off camera, whenever Shatner was talking to Forrest, he would be standing up on his tippy toes. <gasps> no, I hate this story. Why is Shatner being such a jerk about it? Shatner was a bit of an egomaniac. He was a he was when, a diva. Yeah, oh, he was definitely uh, he definitely had some bad behavior, and he was a bit uh, uh, he he liked being the center of attention. Let's say. Um, so well, it was a bit hard to work with. Oh my gosh, that is wild. Yeah. Uh, also, I will say you're right, Corey. This guy has a huge IMDb page. Yeah, no, he's done a lot of stuff. It was kind of sad. I saw a quote that he said where he's like, I haven't done anything special with my career. I'm like a work a day actor. I wish I'd gotten that big role that it never happened. Which is kind of a bummer, but, you know, there are actors that didn't make it, but they still get consistent work all the time. Uh, yeah, like Judy Greer. Who? <laughs> Say goodbye to these. Oh. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh-huh. She's, and she's like the rom-com best friend, right? She's in mm-hmm. 27 Dresses. 13 Going on 30. She's Yeah. She has a whole book. Like, she wrote a book that's called I Don't Know What You Know Me From because she's in fucking everything. But she said, like... <laughs> I listened to an NPR interview with her years ago that was really interesting where she's like, yeah, there was a part where I could have become the it girl. And I like very consciously chose not to do that because I'd rather just be like a working actor and like have a long career instead of having this like huge flash in the pan. Yeah, she still gets to go to Starbucks and not get bothered. Right. Yeah. And so she like had the same thing, but in a really positive spin. Um, anything else about the rivalry, Corey, that you can remember? No, I mean, it does sound like gossip, but I was even reading a quote by Michael Forrest, who's like, yeah, I got some weird vibes from him. So I think Mm -hmm. that corroborates it. The last thing I want to say about the episode is that it came out a year before Chariots of the Gods. So if we're talking about the theme of this episode of gods coming from another planet, this is kind of like what Battlestar Galactica is, too. And this is, spoiler, this is exactly what Battlestar Galactica is. Um, fuck that show (laughs) shut up emily it's a great show i love it it is not a great show can we talk can we talk about this a little later in fact i want to have a emily versus Corey (laughs) bsg uh debate at some fine fine but i watched it over 10 years ago and i am not gonna rewatch it for that (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Wait, okay, so I want to talk about uh, Palamas and Apollo having sex. Okay. <laughs> so. How does it uh, work? Can you guys clear this up for me? Because yeah, you does... keep laughing. Does this mean they're going to have a baby? How does sex work, guys? <laughs> well, we kind of brushed on it with the wind where. <laughs> <laughs> um. Well, just like Kirk says <laughs> Early in the episode, full impasse, uh, full impulse power forward and back. Oh, Jesus! <laughs> and I Christ. wrote in my notes, uh, that's Kirk's solution to everything. 
just to go forward and back on the ship. <laughs> At full impulse power. Oh, baby. Your thrusters are so strong. So hot. Um, I think... I read in the original version of the script at the end of the episode, you would find out that Palamas was pregnant and is carrying Apollo's baby. Oh my God. I'm so glad they cut that. Yeah. That was a, that was a good thing not to do. Um, But I think in some books or comics or something, they actually, that happens. And like the kid appears in Star Trek, like in a book or something and has power, like Apollo, some of his powers and stuff. And that's the origin of Star-Lord. <laughs> the most confusing origin story ever. And now we've crossed, this is our crossover into the Marvel Universe. I'm recreating Patton Oswalt's nerdy speech in Parks and Rec. That was such a great, that's, and this is our bridge from the Marvel Universe to the Star Wars Universe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> What was it? Darth, oh, uh, Anakin Skywalker might have been my father, but Obi-Wan Kenobi <laughs> was my master. And then he slices him in half with the lightsaber. <laughs> Forget who it was. It was like Grimace or something ridiculous, though. <laughs> I think it was something like Grimace. <laughs> anyway, that's a deep uh, cut. Yeah. That's a good... I don't know. That's kind of cool that that was originally in the script because that is like, dun, dun, dun. Yeah. Stay tuned. It was probably a way too scandalous for the 60s. Well, way too scandalous, but also, like, they're not going to follow up with it. She's not a main character, so, like, mm-hmm. you know, we're not going to have be, a season arc about this. It'd be a great kick in the balls for Scotty, too, that she ends up being pregnant. Well, you know what? The whole plot of Outlander hinges on a woman being pregnant with another man's child and then her husband raises that kid and loves it. It happens twice. Uh, and it's totally fine. So Scotty could, you know, be a dad and be happy. Yeah. Don't be a bitch, Scotty. According to Google, the most famous child of Apollo was Orpheus. So that oh, would have been cool shit. if it was Star Trek Orpheus, the Orpheus saga. That would have been cool. Do you mean Morpheus? No, Emily, that's the Matrix. <laughs> I think they're the, it's the same. Morpheus and Orpheus are the same person. I think it's like different languages, maybe. I might be talking out of my ass. I think you are, because Orpheus is the one who his wife dies. And he goes to the underworld and brings her back. Yeah, that's Orpheus. And then Morpheus yeah. is a different is he the is he the god of sleep? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I Hang get I get conf- I've I've read too much Sandman. Neil Neil Gaiman Sandman. Orpheus we... was I just googled Orpheus was a musician, poet and prophet in Greek mythology. His parents were the king of Thrace, Ogrius, and the muse Calliope. It doesn't matter because they got all of like they got a lot of uh Greek mythology wrong here. Mm. Well, anyway, um, before we talk about our reactions and and update it, do you guys have anything else you want to talk about? No, I'll save it for my review. Cool. All right. Well, um, it seems like we all had a pretty positive reaction to this episode. Emily, I, I, I thought you wouldn't have liked it from your response from Space Seed, but I felt like you did do a good job of... of talking about how this episode is distinct from Space Seed. But let's start with you. Thumbs up or thumbs down? Thumbs up. I really like that they had an ensemble and mm-hmm. every character got at least one line that was like great characterization. Um, all the characters like grow over the course of the episode. Even Chekhov is kind of a, you know, goofy guy. and But not as Kirk- hair. His hair is no, fine. his hair is impeccable, but he kind of like makes a joke when Apollo first is like, I'm a god. And he's like, then I am the czar of all the Russians. And Kirk's like, shut the fuck up, dude. This is serious. And then later he like doesn't crack wise and he like pays attention and that, you know, spurs Kirk's plan. I like the part where Bones interrupts him. And he's like, the captain needs complete information. And then Bones says, oh, Spock's rubbing off on this boy. Yeah, that was very... See what I mean? Like, there were some great... That's a very Bones quip. It was delightful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I the misogyny was not great, but uh, Carolyn Palamas felt like a pretty well-rounded character. Like she's pulled in different directions. She has some agency. Um, they give her a lot more credit than the woman in uh, Space Seed, McGillicuddy mm-hmm. or whatever her name was. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I I actually it was campy enough that it was enjoyable to watch i give it a thumbs up i genuinely really like this one mm-hmm. what about you Corey? I, I i'll give it a thumbs up too i'll just say it was a very neat and tidy episode like mm-hmm. the anta- it was a good episode um the antagonist was not evil he had like goals that worked for his morals but they were incompatible with the protagonist um, the away team doesn't really do anything. Like Spock was gonna do all that anyway. Like I said, Scotty is a little dumb. He doesn't. He's a little too dumb because he's just yeah. like yelling the entire time because he's in love, and McCoy doesn't have a lot to do. But like that, those are all like really small quibbles. Like it was, it was a well structured, very well paced. Like I don't think I was ever bored throughout mm-hmm. the episode. It wasn't bad by any respect, but like I 100% believe that I'm going to forget about this episode when we do our season wrap up because there wasn't like anything that like jumped out about it. It was just like a, a well-done Star Trek episode, but it wasn't memorable. And there's a couple TNG ones like that where I'm like, "Oh, this was a good episode. Holy moly, I do not remember watching this though." You don't think Scotty being a stiff-necked thistlehead will stick in your mind? Oh, maybe. Time will tell. <laughs> But yeah, it was it was good. It wouldn't be the first that I recommend, but it was de- it's definitely a quality episode. Yeah, I'm going to give this episode a thumbs up as well. You guys covered why it was good pretty well. I just want to say Apollo was a good character. I liked him. He didn't seem like a... He was a well-constructed character. You could see where he's coming from. He wasn't that evil, and you felt... You kind of knew that he had to be destroyed, but you also did feel bad for him when he did have to be destroyed. So I think they did a really good job of making him sympathetic um, when he finally does go. So, Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Do you think if they just given him like a headset, like a, like some earbuds and like an MP3, just like, you're great, you're great on repeat, <laughs> that would have sustained him? Like that, those are the laurels that Kirk's talking about. He's like, what if we just recorded each of us like saying a nice thing about him? You've got great calves, man. I want to know your workout. And then he can just listen to that for eternity. No, he has an independent film and he just needs to win cans to survive. <laughs> oh, laurels. Uh, all right. Well, um, so let's uh, head into the writer's room. Um, do you guys have any thoughts on how you would modernize this or, or change this episode up at all? Wait, didn't we already do this? I don't know. Maybe not. We talked about like TNG and yeah, how, we would, really how that a, would have been different. I don't really have a re- rewrite. Yeah. Well, I guess one thing I do want to talk about is this episode always, um, for me, is kind of connected to the episode of TNG. I forget the episode. Um, I guess spoiler alert for that, but there's an episode of TNG where they're researching or observing a primitive Vulcan planet. They get discovered and then these primitive Vulcan like people start worshiping Picard as a God <laughs> or someone thinks he's a God. And he is really upset because he's like, it's humanity has taken so long to, unchain themselves from the concept of gods we no longer have them i think they're a bad thing in society and i won't instill this belief in a you know planet that they need gods or there's gods looking at them and so i think it's just such an interesting i guess progression of the show where in the 1960s i don't know what gene ronberry is i i guess he might be an atheist i'm not gonna try and figure out you know what his religious faiths are but i felt like maybe that they had to be like oh no just the one god because if they had an anti-theist message in an episode that they'd probably get a lot of complaints so they had to at least be like no you know just the christian god um is fine for us so i think it kind of shows too in society we've progressed a little bit from in 30 years you could see on television that there is no God and people won't try and hunt you down with a pitchfork or as many people. So I thought that was just an interesting juxtaposition of those two episodes. Well, and you know, the nineties was 
30 years ago. So it'd be interesting to see what would happen nowadays if they would. I mean, my initial reaction is to think they'd have to soften it and be like, religion can bring so many good things, but it can bring so much strife depending on whose hands it's in. Like, I would expect a message like that, not something like what Picard said. So it'd be interesting to see. Mm, like you think nowadays that would have to be a little bit more balanced between, oh, if you believe in a God, that's fine. But, you know, if you don't believe in God, that's fine too. Yeah. Where, where Picard was more anti-theist than, than anything else. So, yeah. Cool. All right. Yeah. And that's a wrap. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I think that's our episode for today. Thanks for listening. We love you. And until we see you next time, keep on trekking. We love you and good night. What was it? Oh, yeah. Don't say that to each other. Just say it to the audience. Yeah. To the audience, not Clint and Corey. We love you. Good night.